Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, we're back on the death lineup. It is the NBA Finals preview. Brian and I are here, and also from the BAM, Max Lee, who is a Celtics fan. So he's going to give us the back, you know, the all, all the information about the Celtics that Warriors fans will want to know. And uh, we're just going to sit here and answer some questions. I have some questions for both guys, and I'll, you know, I'll get my own thoughts in there as well. But we're going to have some fun with this. It won't be a super long show because Brian and I are going to have to come back tomorrow night uh, after game one. But Max, welcome. How's it going? It's going good. Thank you for having me. So, okay, so real quick. Did you think before the season started that the Celtics would be sitting here in the NBA Finals? I did not. Uh, If you go back to our older episodes, Brian can attest. I I thought it was kind of a a bridge year for us. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that... You know, with how our salary works this season and, and moving into next season uh, after the Kemba Walker trade in the off season, we we're going to have enough cap to sign uh, a, a near max or a max deal, uh, so to bring in maybe another piece to to help our main guys. And and you know, there would be so many games in the first half of the season where I would look at them and and just the team. What you could and you could tell the team wasn't meshing well. There's a lot of Jason Tatum iso ball and uh, brand new coach. Brand new coach, Brad Stevens, moving up to the front office. For me, that was a shock. I, I really didn't expect Brad to step down. It, but on top of that, also, you know, at least, I'm happy he at least stayed in the in the franchise. All Celtics fans love Brad Stevens. Um, and so that was great. I really loved the hiring of Ime Odoka. He has a, a really great resume of a lot of, you know, high-level uh, teams that he's been on as an assistant coach. And, you know, he he's played in the NBA and the G League as well. And so I thought it was a great hire. I really do like the player coach in today's NBA. Um, and then moving forward after the trade deadline, I really like the pieces we had and the rest is history. All right. So uh, like I said, we're going to go through some questions here and I'm going to get both of your feedback. And we'll start with you, Bri. Uh, if you are worried about one thing in this series, what scares you the most, either about what Boston might do or what the Warriors might not do. I think what scares me the most, what I would like to say really quick though, is, you know, there's a couple of fans who are fans of teams who are from California. And I, I get, we got a, we got a guy named Obi who's from <laughs> California, but a fan of the Miami heat. Yes. Max is from Boston. Okay. So I hope that gives him a little bit yeah. of credentials in that sense. But 
Cool. What I'm what I'm worried about with the Celtics team, and I think I've said it on this podcast, I've said it on the BAM, they remind me of the Memphis Grizzlies, but scarier mm-hmm. in the sense that they have a lot of guys who, you know, wings that are uh, pretty pretty tall, long wingspan can can switch versatile defenders. And when I was watching that Memphis series, the Warriors were pretty uncomfortable to try to get a good shot up. The Warriors got it done. Even with John Morant, the Warriors will win that series. But what I'm worried about is that, you know, the Celtics don't really have a guy that you go and attack. The Grizzlies had John Morant. That was kind of our little out on a couple of games, just going and attacking John Morant. And you could say, okay, maybe Derek White, but Derek White's not a slouch on defense. He's pretty good uh, on defense. So that, that's what worries me about the Celtics is that they have a lot of wings, a lot of switchable wings, a lot of good defensive pieces that can make the Warriors uncomfortable. And I think I also said that, you know, Steph... When against that Memphis series, it felt like Steph was like kind of worried he was going to get his uh, shot blocked from the side when he mm-hmm. go up and shoot. I, I think the, the Celtics will provide that same uh, discomfort, um, and that's what I would look for: is they they will make you uncomfortable, and then they don't really have someone to go at. All right, Max. So same question: What scares you the most? Whether it's about something you think the Warriors are going to do or something that you think the Celtics might not be as good at this series? Uh, one thing that I think the Celtics may not be as good at is obviously just experience-wise. The Warriors have been here time and time again, sixth finals appearance in the last eight years. So I think the 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 uh, amount of comfort that the Warriors will have in this series will be different. I think the we see the, the Celtics come out, game one especially, in the Chase Center, um, a little antsy and a little you know, trying to do a little too much, just, you know, need to get their, their, their offense going. And I think they'll, they'll improve on that as the, the series goes on, especially in the first game. I think a lot of learning will, will happen. One thing um, I'm worried about for the Celtics is uh, uh, turnovers uh, in the Miami series. Obviously the Miami defense is great. The Warriors is, is even better. And um, just like the versatility that the, the Warriors defense brings and, uh, Jason Tatum for one and Jalen Brown as well uh, had some turnover issues in the Miami series and I think that if the stats show it, if you look at, at any game in the season the, and it, you know it's like that for most teams if you have a high amount of turnovers a good chance you're either going to be in a close game or losing that game and so I think ball security and just you know playing our game and not getting in our own heads is, is most important for us. All right so I will say uh, on my side to sort of to kind of lean towards what Max is saying. I think turnovers are, are, are probably a, an issue on both sides. But then again, if they both are a little bit sloppier with the basketball, then it probably evens out a bit. For the Warriors, I was watching um, bits and pieces of the last three games. I think the player who impressed me the most and who I was just trying to think, okay, who do we, who, who guards this guy is Jalen Brown. Now, Tatum is kind of, he's a little bit of Durante in that he can pretty much get whatever shot he wants in so much that, you know, people are going to be able to close out on him, but he's so tall and he's so long that it doesn't really affect his shot too much. But uh, I was just watching Brown. I'm thinking, okay, so if Wiggins and maybe Draymond kind of lean a little bit towards Tatum, who on the Warriors is going to, to pick up Brown? Uh, Clay is uh, a little slow. I, I think I think Jalen will, will, would see Clay and probably just want to try him and, and go to the hole. Uh, obviously, you know Steph is going to be glued to 
whoever the smaller guard is, whether it's Derek White or whether it's Marcus Smart. And then I started to think, you know, okay, is this where GP2 may fit in if he's healthy? Is this where Andre could fit in late in games when you need someone to size up with Jalen? So that's kind of uh, an intriguing thing for me. And then if I if I'm the Celtics, I think the thing that I saw in that Miami series is uh, you know, they're so good at getting out to the three-point line and cutting off the three-point line. What they leave open is a little bit of that mid-range. And also, because their bigs are so quick and their bigs close so hard, the lob is open a lot. And and Miami utilized that because they have Bam out of bio. Now the Warriors, unless Kaminga plays or unless Wiggins gets some back cuts. They're not really an alley-oop kind of team. So I'm, I'm just going to be interested in how both teams sort of see uh, that. Because, you know, there's one thing, and the reason why their defense is so good is because those guys get out, but you're trying to look for pockets. Okay, where do they overextend? Oh, maybe there's a back cut uh, of some sort. And, you know, Horford is so smart as a defender. He and Draymond, like this is going to be like a basketball IQ uh, defensive IQ uh, series. I do wonder though, if, you know, he, he is so versatile. Um, I wonder if the Warriors is his, his whole mode is to just try and get him out and, and, and on different guys and in different sets. And he's kind of wasting a lot of energy because Boston only really played what seven guys for, for really the most important game, uh, most important games in that series against Miami. And you could do that defensively because Miami, you know, had they're, they're mostly a, a guard lineup, uh, and and they they weren't going to really stretch you as much. The outside shooting wasn't fantastic, so I think all of those things are, are are good things to think about. And I think that's also why this makes this series so smart. Like Brian and I were talking about the Mavs series, and we were like, okay, Warriors are going to do this. Then how does Jason Kidd counter? Then how does Steve Kerr counter to Jason? Th- this this is an even better version of that because. Both teams match up very well. So it's almost like, okay, like where are the strengths and weaknesses on each side? And that's what I'm uh, most interested in, in checking out. All right. So next question. So this is, this is to Max. What has to happen for the Celtics to win this series? Um, kind of like I said before, I think staying calm and playing our game. Obviously, we know what Boston brings defensively. Uh, having the number one defense from December, January, you know, through the rest of the regular season, I think that our offense is where it's going to be the most important. Um, obviously, like I said, the Warriors are a really good defensive team. Uh, there's going to be a lot of X factors on, for Boston offensively. Marcus Smart and Al Horford are the ones that come to mind initially. We'll talk about X to, factors in a second to, too. To be a little more consistent, uh, you know, they've obviously had their big games in the playoffs and and. Even when they're having off nights, they're obviously still very uh, big contributors to our team. But I think everyone's going to have to play as a team uh, and just take it one play at a time, and 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 not and think of the smaller picture and the and the and what's in front of you compared to uh, the the long term. I feel like you should take it slowly. Okay, so follow up here. When the Warriors go small. That's where who's going to play five in in that scenario. So if, if they go small, I mean Horford can play some of that because he's so he's so athletic and, and and so smart. 
but is it are you uh, do you think Robert Williams is is going to play in in those scenarios and the in the Celtics just sort of deal with uh him trying to get out on guys or do they go to like uh I don't know who's your small ball five is it Grant Williams like how does that don't, work We don't play a lot of small ball uh we usually have either Rob or 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 Al in at all times we usually have one of them in Yeah uh I do think I don't think Rob will play in that small ball lineup um especially against the Warriors uh, not that Rob couldn't handle it, but due to the you know the meniscus injury that he's been dealing with on and off again throughout the playoffs, uh, we saw his minutes pretty limited in the Miami series, and I'm really happy he's getting you know a longer rest before this Warriors series starts. Um, but I don't think that with all the quick movement of that offense that the small ball Warriors bring, um, it would be beneficial to to Rob because he's not 100 uh, percent and and just not tiring him out too much and maybe playing him in different lineups, matching him up with Kevon Looney more uh, when he's in. But I think it'll be Al and and probably Grant at the four. Yeah. Uh, all right, Bri. So on the flip side, what has to happen for the Warriors to win this series? Uh, I think Max said it earlier. The Warriors have been here. They know what it's like to be in the finals. And I feel like I think what we saw, what was key in that game seven Miami versus Boston is that Boston was kind of giving away the lead a little bit. It, it felt like they weren't maybe experienced enough in the postseason and in, in that type of game to to properly close it out. Um, and I think on the Warriors side, on the flip end of that, maybe the Warriors could one not only not do that, but maybe make Boston pay more for doing that than the Heat did. Um, obviously, there's a lot of other things he needs to go right. Jordan Poole, you know, we always he's a constant character on this show where. He's having a bad game. We we talk we we talk about him like he's you know just struck out in little league for the fourth time in the row and <laughs> just slouching his shoulders and walking slowly back to the dugout. Um, Clay Thompson, you know he's been great lately, but I'd love for more good Clay performances than bad, obviously. And the thing is with Clay, I feel like when they're bad, they're they're pretty bad. But when they're good, would, they're like would really you good. would you rather have good Clay for five out of the seven games? Or would you rather have great clay for like three out of the seven games? If it goes seven. <laughs> Probably great clay. I feel like when clay's like great, it's literally a game shifter. Yeah. Like when good clay is obviously good to have, you know, it's it you usually would probably rather take that, but great clay, I, I genuinely feel like a great clay game like will win. Yeah. Yeah. So so, you know, I, I think and, and this is sort of a mix of, of of both points here. And I was thinking about this before I listened to Plus Minus because they thought that home court advantage is very important. And sort of what Max said, where so these young Celtics have have never been on this stage before, though. You know, Al has played in some in some big games, but and Tatum too. Like you guys have been in the conference finals before, but this is a little bit of a different thing. And there's so much hoopla. And there's so much publicity and visibility that it almost kind of overtakes what the goal is, especially early on. And I do think the Warriors need to hold the Warriors need to win the first two games of the series. They need to win. They need to win, go up 2-0. And I think that is the best way for them to win the series because then ultimately, you know, you only got to win two more out of the next five games. Uh with the Celtics, my, you know, when we we're talking about the the Miami series, I told Brian, I said, Miami's going to win the first two games because what's going to happen is they're the older team. 
the length of the series is probably going to wear them down a little bit more than it wears the Celtics down. Now, I mean, I didn't see Jimmy Butler coming like, like he did. Like he really, really, really tried his best to not let them lose. And it was really amazing to watch. But I thought the best opportunity was for them to win the first two games. And so similarly, I think the Warriors need to win these two games because it really puts pressure on the younger team. And the younger team, if the younger team can play a little freely and, you know, if they can come in and win game two and go back to Boston and just be like, wow, this feels like we're actually ahead in the series, even though that we're tied, that takes so much pressure off. And then it puts pressure on the Warriors, right? So uh, it's going to be interesting to see sort of the, the wins and losses per game. But I think the, the, the main thing for the Warriors is to just continue to hold court. They've not lost at home in these playoffs. Uh, I know Boston, uh, you know, there, there was some sort of back and forth in, in the end of that Miami series where they lost at home, then Miami lost at home, and they were able to close out, which, which shows that they, they know how to do that as well, right? They're not afraid to go into uh, San Francisco in a game seven and have to win the game seven because they just did it in, in Miami, even though, man, the, it got a little tight there in the end. They, they were, uh, I, I imagine as a Boston fan, you were biting your nails or doing whatever, whatever you were doing uh, as you saw that, as you saw Jimmy pull up and shoot that line drive three. That, that three is that game alone was probably one of the most stressful games I've watched in a long time. I watched almost all the Celtics regular, regular season games. I watched every playoff game and I've been watching them since I was a little kid and, and, this is that game was on the level of I want to say like the 2010 finals game seven when Ron Artest hit that three. That was probably the saddest Celtics game I've ever experienced. And so when the deja vu almost came back and Jimmy pulled up for three, and 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 although there was backlash on you know that three that he took, and obviously he hasn't shot the best from three, the he made the same exact shot in transition, pulling up like he did in the first half. And so, you know, you got to trust your best player with that shot. And if he took it, he obviously, you don't, he isn't, no one, no NBA player takes a shot thinking they're going to miss it. And so when he, when he, when he pulled up and, you know, obviously he's had some really big moments in this series. I, I, my, my heart sank for a second and he missed. And then I, I ran around the house and celebrated and I was, <laughs> I was in joy. So uh, when he shot it, I almost wonder if he's, if, if someone asks him and he, and he's, uh, being honest, he kind of was in between going to the hole and shooting it because he didn't get his feet sort of set. He kind of like was leaning a little bit and one foot was ahead of the other one. So I wonder if he was in between deciding and he was waiting for Al. He's like, okay, what is Al going to do? And Al just stayed home. He stayed tall and he stayed home. So Jimmy was like, uh, and then I got to shoot it because I'm already, you know, I've already stopped. So that was an interesting thing. And again, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Al, Al is so smart of a player because he could have gone out on Jimmy and then Jimmy would have gone to the hole or he could have dropped back. And then Jimmy has a nice and easy three. And then he's still going to try to close out. But he, he like Jimmy's feet were kind of messed up too at the same time. So I, I thought that was more about Al than it was about being a bad shot. All right. I mentioned this earlier. X factor. So the definition of an X factor is like someone who's kind of a little bit unpredictable, who, who who's like a, a really big part of, of why the team is going to win. So 
Bri, we'll start with you. Who is going to be the X factor for the Warriors if they are to succeed in this series? Who's going to step up? And it, and it might not be somebody that we think uh, generally will step up. We were talking about this a little bit yesterday, and I genuinely like was stuck between like five people. I think I was stuck between four, but now I feel like there's a couple others, like a like a healthy Gary Payton can 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 make a difference. Or I was thinking like I think I was thinking Clay and Pool or Pool and Wiggins or combination of Pool and Looney. There was it's just the, those four. I'm just thinking like was Looney's like amazing. You know, I think Looney and Wiggins are either the highest rebounders by in the playoffs, like they have the highest count of rebounds in the playoffs or it's offensive rebounds. You know what it is? Is it offensive or, or total? I don't know anyway, but like it can, can that sustain itself against a team like the Celtics who mm-hmm. basically start two centers, you know? Right. Um, I think that would be big and I'm sorry, I'm not really giving you a straight answer. Cause I don't totally know if I, I guess I'll just go with, uh, Mr. Jordan pool. Because there's someone that the Celtics can look at every single time he comes in the game and go, okay, you know, we're just going to attack this guy. Try to get him on the switch and attack him. And the Warriors are probably going to have to push to a zone. Poole's going to be on the back corner, probably. And maybe they'll stick. I don't know who they'll stick back there. But I, I think Poole, you know, not not doing those things that we, we, we say he sometimes does when he plays bad, where he beats himself up about it or just sl- slouches on the court. Like, I think that is... You know, does he have to have great games? I'm not entirely sure, but maybe just not do that. But I still think he does have to have to show up and and, and play some play some great ball. When when he is on the court, I'm gonna guess that they go zone. How do you think? Do the they zone, do it immediately? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. But how, how do you think the zone would work against Boston? Because they're they're pretty long. Like I said, Jason mm-hmm. Tatum can kind of shoot over guys. Uh, it w- it would stop. It would help on Jalen Brown, who who's such a great penetrator and, and a great shot maker. Um, you know, it makes Marcus Smart a little bit more of a spot up guy than than doing Marcus Smarty things. So I don't know. That's that's going to be an interesting thing too, is to see how they play against the zone. I agree, um, but I, I'm trying to remember. Like, do they usually? Because I know in Denver they had pool at like the top of the two three. I'm wondering if putting him on the back corners, I, I can't remember if they put him on the back corners before, but the two back corners, maybe do one of those and maybe they have Grant Williams back there. And I feel like you, you live with the outcome of, of a pool in a zone on Grant Williams or Derek white or, you know, the Celtic shooters that they put in the back corners. All right, Max, what about you for the Celtics? Who Who is that X factor? Uh, like Brian said, it was kind of hard to pick one initially. Um, I have two, uh, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. I would say number one for me would probably be Al Horford. Um, I think his versatility and just kind of everything he does is huge for us. And even on nights where he's not putting up a lot of points, he's doing so much plus minus wise, rebounds, help defense, just being a leader for that team. He really is. I've read a lot of things recently that he's kind of been the guy to keep everyone calm and and level headed in, in like tight situations. And so that's going to be really big. But I think if he can have big games offensively, and I'm curious to see how much space the Warriors give him on the arc because he's really shown this playoffs that he he is not afraid to take that three. Um, whether it's open, somewhat contested, obviously he's not going to be shooting like extremely contested threes, but he's confident in his shot, and, and that's one person I don't think the Warriors will really be able to shake. Um, Shoot, he's shooting 43% from three in yeah. the playoffs. 
Yep. And uh, so I would say if you look at the box scores, there's been some games where he's scored under 10 points and still been very uh, contributing to the team. But if he can add on to that and have uh, big offensive games for us, I think that'll be huge. Um, second, I would say Marcus Smart, kind of for the same reasons, just a little inconsistent on offense uh, in, in that Miami series. And and obviously he's been in more of a traditional point guard role for, for Boston this year. Um, and he's, I've, I've been saying that for actually a while that for at least a year or two that I've been wanting Marcus Smart just to be our point guard, especially when Kemba was dealing with all those knee injuries. Yeah. Um, but if he can hit his shots too, that's going to be huge for us. I think those are our two main guys where if they can knock down their shots, it'll, it'll, it'll be tough to beat us. Yeah. For me, I think, I think I already mentioned Iguodala. Who knows if he's going to be ready? I think. Iguodala, Otto Porter, and Gary Payton, two are all questionable for game one. And so what does that mean today? It, I mean, Steve could be playing a little chess here. Could be a little little bit of gamesmanship, you know? Uh, but uh, we'll see what happens come tomorrow. But I think there's going to be... The Warriors are going to need a defensive stop in, in some situations, I'm trying to figure out where that's coming from, whether it's, you know, Dr- obviously Draymond, uh, he, he's going to be there. Wiggins is going to be there, but they need another guy because especially when you play that pool lineup, pool's a minus on defense. Steph is going to, he's going to stay home. Uh, you know, Clay may, I, I've, I've found Clay to be a little, a little bad getting out to the, to the, uh, to the three point line in some instances. Cause he's like kind of, trying to stay a little bit more towards the middle. Uh, and so I think it's going to be somebody like Andre. It could be a GP2, depending on, on the minutes. But Andre's got the experience. Andre's played in these big games before. Andre's a finals MVP. So I think if he can get on the court and they can get something out of him, he would be my X factor. I got a question for you. Yes. So this hypothetical warriors rotation is the starting five who i think we are all agreeing kevon looney is going to start yes at the five okay um the guys that are hurt that are coming back Otto porter jr andre Godala, gary payton and then you have pool that's nine guys mm-hmm. do we see a rotation of nine players if all those guys are healthy because that means you know bielitsa was a big player for us in the Mavs series i don't mm-hmm. know i don't really see him getting minutes but then you you know you count out the moody's you count out the kamingas which i guess makes sense but even nine players who i trust in this in this finals seems a little lengthy yes you you brought it up man (laughs) kamudi watch i don't i don't think uh i don't know i i think depending on you know depending on the the type of scenario i would like to see kaminga get a shot but these, you know, we're, we're talking about how big this is going to be for certain Boston players who are on the younger side. These guys are 19 years old. So I think it have to be sort of a soft landing spot. And there might not be one in the NBA finals for young guys. Now, Moody showed in the last series that he could actually stay on the court. Um, will if, if Andre and GP2 are healthy, does Moody get to play? I don't know if he does, but if they aren't healthy, Steve may have to turn to Moody for five minutes here and there. Uh, and Otto, if Otto doesn't play, that could open up some opportunity for Kaminga. But we saw he went to Bielitsa instead in, in that game five. And, and Bielitsa played well. You know, he, he, he was a positive on the court. He was a plus three or whatever in that game. So 
Yeah, it that that's what I'm talking about, though. That's why this series is gonna be so interesting because the Warriors take a piece off the board, Boston figures out a way to take a piece off the Warriors board. Like that's gonna be what the what the series is. And and I think you know that's that's what's gonna make it fun. Now, if if everything is even, do you lean on the youth or do you lean on the experience? I think that is an interesting thought because you know the the experience that the, the They'll gain game experience by the time it's game six or game seven, right? They should be they should be okay with how the series ends. But then, you know, we saw game seven, 2016. Both the Warriors and the Mavs couldn't make a shot like the last five minutes of the game. The series is so tense. So even, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see what 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 you would lean a little bit more towards when it comes to uh, what 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 is the what is the thing that that maybe could lean the series towards the towards the Warriors or maybe lean it back towards Boston? Max, if you see Damian Lee touch the court, just know that something went wrong. <laughs> something went massively wrong. Yeah, you were mentioning that in in our in our episode, Brian, and and you know, I it's funny because you asked that. I thought the same question. I was gonna I was gonna ask him how many players do you think the like deep the Warriors go? Because for Boston, I don't think we go more than eight. As you Richard, said in the Miami. I think Pritchard does get some run. I, I really, I do. I, I think he's he's shown to really gain a lot of confidence this this playoffs and and telling defenders that they're small and and hitting you know <laughs> contested threes. And I, I I've always been a big Pritchard fan, and uh, you know Brian can attest we've we've seen him uh, put some big numbers up against our our college basketball team, and and so you know we've seen him play for a while, and and finally seeing him get some run, and and seeing that Emi Odoka can can trust him in in you know bigger situations is is awesome. I I wouldn't think we go past eight players. Um, Aaron Neesmith got some some run in that Miami series. Um, Same thing for you guys. If Aaron Neesmith plays, I think something's <laughs> going wrong. Okay. Okay. It's, what about Tice? He doesn't play. I don't think Tice gets gets much run either. I I I think that. Only way I could see him any run is if if Rob's out for a game because I, I like I said, or, or I don't know if I mentioned this, but Ime Odoka said that for the rest of the the playoffs, Rob Williams is day to day. It just depends on how his knee reacts, and so if Rob's out, yeah, we will see Tice. Um, and I trust Tice in the games. I I just think that obviously you gotta you gotta play your main guys more and 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 just be confident in who you have on the floor, but um, I don't think we go past eight, and I I'd be surprised if you guys went. You guys, you guys are, are a little more, a little more, a little more uh, curious on on how many players you guys play compared to Boston because I feel like we've been pretty consistent with it, and you guys have done a little more experimenting in the playoffs. They're definitely playing Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole, Wiggins, Draymond, Kavon, uh, and if Otto's healthy, Otto's sixth or seventh guy off the bench, and if GP's healthy, he's seventh or eighth guy off the bench. So they're at least playing. Can you not guys. play a healthy Iguodala though? The guy who has helped them for like four finals before then was basically signed for the playoffs. Like if he's healthy and good to go, does he get a, a DMP? No, I don't think he does. If if he's ready to go, he plays. So that would be nine. That would be nine guys. Now That's a lot. it changes if Gary isn't ready or if um, Otto isn't ready. Then maybe they do shorten the rotation, but then again, then you know what that means is is Damian Lee plays and he's no, going to no, no, get no. a hard you know five minutes unless he plays himself off the court like he did in the last series. Uh, JTA will only play garbage time. 
Uh, Bielitsa, I think, will only play if Otto isn't healthy. And look, Otto, he may, like, even if he's healthy at the beginning, you know, the guy hurt both feet <laughs> during the playoffs. Like, who hurts both feet? It's because he does so much offensive rebounding where he just, like, tries to jump as high as he can. He probably lands hard on the foot or something. Like, I've done it, but yeah, yeah. I'm not an NBA player. So, so yeah, you know, this is this is going to be so interesting. All right, I'm gonna, we're going to... Uh, give our prediction here in a second, but I want to know. I'm going to give you guys a little a little trivia here. Uh, who do you think leads both teams in the playoffs in PER? <laughs> Is it like easy? Is this like a multiple choice or just an open question? No. Who, who if you've watched both teams? Um, it, you've you know you've watched all the series for your team. When it comes to per, you know that statistic. Who do you think out of both teams leads in per? Otto Porter Jr. Otto Porter Jr.'s per is half of the leaders. Uh, I guess, PER? My guess is going to be Jalen Brown. All right, so Jalen Brown's PER is 14.73 for the playoffs. Jason Tatum's PER is 16 for the playoffs. Rob Williams' PER, 17.73 for the playoffs, though he has uh, less minutes, of course. And for the Warriors, uh, it goes Jordan Poole, 15.96. Uh, and then Steph Curry, 18.93. So Steph Curry leads both teams. It was an easy answer. Uh, Okay, so who do you think leads in scoring for both teams? I would say it's a Tatum Tatum or Curry question. In total points or just points per game? Points per game. I would say Tatum. Tatum has played two more games. I would say Tatum because I, I remember seeing that Curry only averaged 23.8 in the last series. I think that might have brought him down a little bit. I'm going to go Steph. Jason Tatum, 27 points a game. Steph, 25.9. All right. Between the two players, so we have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on the Celtics. We have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson on the Warriors. Which twosome has shot more three-pointers and which twosome has made more three-pointers? I'm going to say that Boston is ta- or the Boston duo of JT and JB have taken more, and I think Steph and Clay have made more. What do you think, Bray? I'm going to go both for the Warriors. It is both for the Warriors, and it's not as close as I thought because when I was looking up this stat, so Steph is averaging almost 10 threes taken a game. Clay is at nine. These guys are chucking it. Jason Tatum's at 8.4, and Jalen's taken much less than I thought. He's only at 6.3. He's taken less threes per game than Marcus, but he's shooting it a little better. Jason Tatum uh, shooting at 37.5. Jalen Brown shooting at 38.6. Steph is at 38. Clay is at 39.9. So so, uh, Clay is at just about 40. Jordan Poole, 39.3. So he's shooting it. uh, But Al Horford, he's not taken as many 
but he shot 43.2% from three-point land. So, uh, And Grant Williams is, is right behind him. But they, they're, they're taking a little bit less than, than these other guys. The Warriors don't really have another, another player who takes a ton of them. So it's really just those three guys. Um, all right. So I guess there's not really any other stat stuff that, that kind of stood out to me when it comes to, to either team. Though, if you were to guess who leads both teams in block shots per game, who would that person be? It's 100% Rob for the Celtics is what I would guess. Um, and then you max go. I initially thought Rob too, but because of his limited minutes, I'm going to go with Al Horford. Is this blocks per game or just total blocks per game? I'm going to stick with Rob. I don't, I don't know for the Warriors. Who the heck gets blocks? On the, I mean, Draymond almost, and Steph almost are no, almost nobody gets blocks for the Warriors, and that's and, what unless sort it's eye opening. Unless it's like a Draymond or Steph. Steph did it once in the the, the Dallas series, which is really crazy because they showed that whole defensive possession and they just zoned in on Steph and how much running he had to do and to finally shoot out to the three and get a block on the three point shooter. I forgot who it was. That stuff. I love those camera angles. They did it with uh, Jason Kidd against the Suns in Game Seven too. Um, but Draymond. It is for the Celtics. It is Rob, uh, but it's close. He's 1.9. Al's 1.6 for the Warriors. Draymond is the only player who averages more than a block per game at 1.1. The Warriors don't really have anybody. They only had five blocks a game in in the finals. Uh, Celtics are at six, so it's not that big of a difference. Not a ton of rim protection, but uh, the Celtics do when when Rob Rob plays. that's That's where it is. All right, last one. I did find another kind of funny one. All right. Turnovers. Uh, Max talked about it for for the Celtics. It's kind of a a little bit of their kryptonite. Uh, And interestingly, it is like, like, I won't even have you guys guess, but just in what I was finding, Jason Tatum is by far the guy who turns the ball over the most. For the Warriors, it's Draymond. But Jason Tatum has turned the ball over 4.3 times a game. Draymond is at two eight, and it feels but, like Draymond's like a higher than that. But but what you what you see is that because of the dominant uh, ball handling between Tatum Brown and Marcus, they're the only guys who turn the ball over. For the Warriors, it's Steph, it's Poole, it's Draymond, and then uh, it, you know then then you know just these these little pockets of guys. But the Warriors actually turn the ball over fourteen times a game. Celtics are only at 13-3, but Jason Tatum is like 40% of that for the Celtics or 35% of that or whatever that is. And the Warriors just have a few more guys who handle the ball, so they're they're that's why they turn the ball over more per game. But like it, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize Tatum was turning it over that much. Yeah, they, they like to market that this is like the number one and number two defense in uh, terms of net rating in the regular season going up, going up against each other. Uh what about the turnovers? Like, what do they rank in turnovers as teams? Like, have we seen these two high turnover teams play each other in the finals before? Because that 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 to me is like what I thought when when both of these teams got to the finals. The Warriors turned the ball over a lot. As a Warriors fan, I see it every day. The Celtics, Max tells me I get to see it too. So, <laughs> I, I mean, just it just tells you that Tatum is also a very high usage guy to turn the ball over that much. All right, predictions. So I imagine. 
we're all taking our teams. Um, but I want to hear sort of the analysis behind your pick. So we'll let you go first, Max. Yeah. Uh, so I'm picking the Celtics in seven. Uh, I think regardless of who wins, it'll be a seven-game series. I don't think either team will back down, or and we've seen Boston be really, really resilient after you know a loss. Um, they're undefeated in the playoffs after after losing a game, and the the point margin in those wins are are pretty big. Uh, I think that, and it sounds cheesy, but I I feel like as Alex on the BAM mentioned it yesterday, it kind of seems like it's the Celtics' year. It's like like. The route's been really hard, and the adversity in in the route they've taken this season, like no one saw it coming, and I feel like they're too far in to to not go all the way. Um, I think our versatility is huge. Uh, I think that you know this finals will really put our players on the map. Um, I think Brian said it yesterday when we recorded. Uh, this finals could make Jalen or Jason Tatum a, a household name, and um, I think that the the Celtics love a challenge. And I'm really excited to see just really high IQ basketball. Um, I think it's going to be a really strategic, you know, game plan from both teams. And I, I I think that Boston will you know stay the course and 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 win in seven. All right, Bray. I'm going with. I, I said yesterday. I feel like. I could be convinced either way that of, of, of a winner, maybe even a winner in six. Like I just, I'm taking the Warriors because, and there's been a weird couple of streaks. Like one, the Warriors have not lost that chase, mm-hmm. but two, the Celtics have never lost two in a row in this playoffs or, you know, they uh, have, have a tendency to beat other teams in their home arenas. Regardless, like Miami has a good arena. The, the, the Bucks have a good fan base and, and they go out and win there. Um, I think the Scott Foster streak that that's a weird one that the, the Celtics have won like 12, 12 and 0 when Scott Foster refs, I could see all these being broken. I could see the Celtics taking one at chase. I could see the Celtics losing two in a row. I could see the Warriors getting one when Scott Foster refs like those weird streaks. I could see, you know, all of them ending, but I just think that I think a lot of these are going to come down to the wire. I'm hoping for not that many blowouts. Obviously. Okay. The, if a Warriors fan, sure. We'll blow them out four times in a row. Uh, but I, I the basketball NBA side of my brain doesn't think there'll be any blowouts and I'm excited for that. But at the same time, I think that's where the championship pedigree comes in. Celtics might have first time jitters when they get to the finals and you never know that uh, J.R. Smith might bring the ball out when, when it's a tie game. With the, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think that the Warriors championship pedigree, when, when the game gets tight, when, when the clock's about to run out, I, I trust them to handle business and I I'm, I'm, I'm just interested to see what this rotation is going to look like. Cause nine just seems like a lot, but it'll be, seem di- like I mean, it'll probably be different. Played. It'll be different for a lots of different scenarios, right? Because you, that that's, what's great about having guys who you can put on the court is, okay, what do I need out of this thing? Um, and, and usually Damian Lee would be the, the last guy that I put in, but I think Kerr, has faith that he's not going to screw up whatever the defense is, and then he's also just going to play hard. I just don't think he can hit an open shot, which is my problem with him. Yeah, and I think uh, Steph's been saving his first half of the season type of run, his his 50 bombs. He's been saving it for the finals, so I think uh, so. I am on record, once this playoff started, of saying that I thought Boston was the best team 
to uh, to face the Warriors in the East because I didn't think um, once actually it was once Middleton went down, then I, I leaned a lot more towards Boston. But I didn't think the Warriors would have a problem beating Philly. I didn't think the Warriors would have a problem beating Brooklyn. Uh, I didn't think they would have a problem beating Miami, though Miami poses different problems just because they're so physical and they're so smart. But I thought Boston was the best matchup. And player for player, if all things being equal, that everyone's healthy and everyone's fresh, I do think Boston's maybe player for player a better team than the Warriors. But the thing that le- that leads leans me towards taking the Warriors in this series is sort of this battle of attrition thing. Rob Williams is a game changer against the Warriors because of all the things that he can do. Uh, if he's not on the court enough, I think that kind of is, is a big deal. Um, Marcus smart. He's definitely not healthy. Cause if he is healthy, he's maybe the best guy in all of the NBA to guard Steph. But if he's not healthy, what does that mean? And how do the warriors exploit that? So if, you know, no one's healthy right now during this part of the season because it's a long season. And now, you know, the Celtics are at 100 games. I think the Warriors are at 98 games. And so you're getting into that extended season and it's going to come down to, you know, who can be at their best at this time of the season. And I think that leans a little bit towards the Warriors. But I mean, I'm, I'm all for what, what we're going to see because the Warriors, uh, they've had three fairly easy finals wins. And then the two that they lost, it was that battle of attrition. And par- uh, both both times, it was big-time injuries that, that affected them. So that, that's, the, that's the part that I, that I think may help them in this situation. But then again, somebody can get hurt in game one, and it changes the trajectory. So predicting is, you know, we're sort of predicting with the idea that the, these, are all the, these are all the guys who are going to play. And, but, um, yeah, I, I told Brian this uh, in the, after beating Memphis. My fear with Memphis was that they beat the Warriors, and then all of a sudden they get the confidence, and they just take it to the next level. The Warriors are the same. It was the same thing with Dallas. Could Luca take them down and then sort of go to that next level? And they took care of business in, in, in both of those series. Now, can they do it again? Because I think Boston is that team who could be ready to go to that next level. And if they are able to beat the Warriors in this in this series, I think you're looking at multiple finals appearances for Boston because it's sort of it takes that little thing, that little confidence, whatever it is to, to say that you've done it before. So I think the Warriors might be able to hold that off, but I also think, you know, this is kind of interesting to think about. I kind of think the Warriors are going to be better next year because of some of the younger guys. And if they get Wiseman back, Wiseman. they might be better next year, just, just based on bodies and Wiggins having to play out of his rear end for a new contract and pool. Same, same thing with pool. So I, I I think you know maybe they'll they'll be a little bit better, but you have to be. It's it's now it's time to be better for both teams. So, all right, that was fun. I, I I'm glad we we got to talk about this. Uh, we will we will Brian and I will be covering uh, the finals after after every game with a live stream here on this channel, 
And uh, maybe, uh, you know, maybe if, if, if we go to a game seven, maybe we'll bring Max back and we'll hammer it out. We'll, we'll do our own battle of attrition uh, on the podcast and see who lasts the longest. All right, Max, thanks for hanging out with us. Um, check Max out uh, on the BAM with Brian. Do you guys do the basketball podcast together? Yes. Okay. So you can listen to their basketball takes uh, if you want to hear more. So for Max, for Bry. I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.